Today's episode is sponsored by Sololi, a shop with social change at its core. Each piece goes to empower a local artisan in Mexico, slowly expanding through South America. So go check out sololishop.com. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. My mind is just like so bored Is this still recording? Because I think it caps out. Hi, Basic Browners, and welcome back. I'm your host, Joy Valerie. And today, I wanted to learn more about what it takes to talk to investors, build a company, and more about the Hawaiian culture. So today, we're going to be talking to Sage Kiamno. She is an amazing mujer and has been featured twice on Forbes. She's a native Hawaiian currently living in Seattle. Sage is the co-founder of Future for Us, an organization to support women of color in the highest levels of corporate, government, and social sector organizations. She'll also be hosting the Future for Us assembly in Seattle on April 27th. For more info and to get your tickets, check out futureforus.co and futureforus.now on Instagram. And now, let's learn more about Sage and how she's crushing it in the tech and entrepreneurial space. Yeah, so hello, everybody. Aloha. I'm Sage Kealohilani Kiamno. I'm the co-founder of Future for Us. Um, our mission is to dedicate, the, so our company is dedicated to accelerating the advancement of women of color uh, through community, culture, and career development. So all you badass, powerful women of color out there, we are here for you. So we, you know, I started this company about two two months ago and been hitting the ground running. And just for my background, I'm an indigenous uh, Native Hawaiian woman from Hawaii. I'm from the island of Oahu. Um, shout out to Kalihi, that's my original neighborhood. Um, I'm a proud Kalihi girl. And yeah, so you know, I moved to Seattle about f- six years now, oh my God, six years ago um, after I graduated from college and I had a job at Amazon, so I moved here because of that. So I've been in the tech um, scene and also after Amazon, I worked a couple jobs in startups and ended up now creating my own company. So here I am on this podcast. I'm super excited to share a little bit more about, um, you know, my journey here and future for us as well. Yeah. Well, it's super amazing. I think I was telling you, like, I never met anyone from Hawaii. So but I, I noticed you said Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's all you, how that's how you're supposed to pronounce it. Just like, you know, like most, you know, like even with Spanish or Indian, everybody has like the inflections and so there's a, it's called diacriticals. Like, so in Hawaii, people, people just say Hawaii because, um, in English, they don't put the diacritical, the Okina, we call it the Okina, the mark. It's between the two eyes at the end of Hawaii. So it's Hawaii. Well, that's cool. I learned something new right now. Um, but yeah, it just basically, I've been following you on social media and we kind of connected through there on Instagram. And I have noticed that you've always been a badass, like since your youth growing up. Um, and I think one of the really cool things was that, you know, you kind of were just always a rebel in high school from, you know, your stories that you shared. Would you care to share like any of your awesome stories with us? Oh my gosh. I I think, you know, I think as being a young one of color when you're growing up, I think you're you are given this burden, not burden, but like this task of you know, not only being looked at as a person of color, right? Because of your race, but also your gender. So we're we are born with the lens of intersectionality at the get-go. We, you know, a lot of us grew up with families who told us at the beginning of our lives that you will have to work twice as hard to get half of what other people have. So um I already knew that growing up and always been a a um hustling student. I've you know always been at part I've always been in a student government, always been um not only been doing well in my academics but also just doing a thousand things like doing sports, doing extra curriculars as any, a lot of women of color out there, you're just excellent, right? Because you know that you need to secure your future and the only one who's going to do it is yourself. I think um, a lot of us have that, that spirit within us. Um, And also growing up as millennial, right? Like I'm going to be completely honest. You know, I grew up you know, through the internet and the TV, right? Like, like most of, most of us. So, you know, from that, 
from that kind of lens of combining and also my strong family background is that I always looked at in like not not only infrastructures but institutions I grew I went through I, I grew up in a Catholic school all my life so I've been through Catholic private school all my life um, except two years in public school but I I've been under these kind of institutions um, and knowing as a woman that some of these rules that we were under were not we're not sound, right? We're not fair. Was to me that was it wasn't right, um, and I knew that from the beginning. So a lot of the time, I did. I was always a curious kid and always asked questions and always challenged because, you know, why do we need to act a certain way, behave a certain way when these these rules are not meant for us to be under, right? Or it, rules always made to be made to be broken. Why can't we break these systems to create a better, you know? better world for us and a better environment. So just a little um, background. I went to an all girls Catholic school actually just closed down. So shout out to St. Francis high school in Hawaii, just shut down because they didn't make enough money. So a big, big controversy there. But uh, so I was a yearbook editor, a news, newspaper editor and, you know, student I mean, class president. And in our yearbook, the rule was that if you were pregnant, which we had a lot of um, pregnant students, um, not a lot, but like more than most Catholic schools. And also if you were um, a lesbian, so if you're a part of the LGBTQ community, and let me tell you, this is like 2005, 2009. So, you know, you think that we would be more progressive, but alas, this is, we, we are in a Catholic institution. You were not allowed to be in the yearbook or you are not allowed to be in newspapers. So at all. Yeah. So it was, it was incredibly terrible because even within our school, um, our pregnant classmates had to wear a muumuu and for the people who don't know what a muumuu is out there, it's basically like your grandma's dress. On top of your uniform you, or like, did they have no, like, like <laughs> No, you had to use a muumuu instead of your uniform. So you'd be kind of ostracized already, um, which was very, very, very disgusting to me that you would have, you would make your students do that after they pay $8,000 a year for them to go to your school. Um, so yeah, so, you know, I just snuck them in, gave them a couple of my shirts and also like definitely let our LGBT community of students in the yearbook. Uh, then I got then I got busted. For <laughs> I was forced to resign. Um, and then we won our, our senior class won like our choir, like competition, like our song competition. And the class president um, traditionally receives the award on stage and I resigned. So my entire class chanted like Sage, 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 and pushed me up on stage and I accepted the award on behalf of my class. And my, the evil glare that my principal looked at me was like, you can feel it. I could feel the daggers just piercing me when she saw me get on stage and accept the award. It was, it was a crazy time in high school. Um, and they told me that I had to go to therapy and whatnot. So <laughs> therapy for what? Like, ugh, how dare you try I to know. give people equal rights in our year? Oh, <laughs> trust me. Trust me. I can't. And then we let boys in into the all girls private school that we were in. And they were treating the, the boys who were um, the new boy, you know, male students way more fairly like they let them run around with football and toss them we would not we were not allowed to play in the courtyard because it was deemed not ladylike so when the what when the boy, when the male students it, it is this, so um so chardonnay powell the um school president at that time which is one of my great friends her and i are writing a book so that's going to come soon we have a lot of it is it is a it is going to be probably the one of the funniest kind of coming of age stories of this time, to be quite honest, because it, each chapter will un, like go through a perspective of a student um, who's going different journeys and growing up differently and, and face different challenges as a young teen growing up in Hawaii, especially in a multiracial um, you know, environment, but also under a very strict Catholic <laughs> institution. So yeah, so that kind of yeah, went I went to Catholic school and it's nothing as intense of what you're describing. It was a little it was a little gnarly. So yeah, I have a little rebel in me who's always like, mm, I'm gonna question that. <laughs> that doesn't seem right. I used to write this strong this strongly worded um letter to our vi vice principal too about the 
the systematic sexism in our, in our institution. Like he did not. Yeah. And he did not like that. So I wrote an open op-ed. I did an op-ed in our school newspaper. Oh my God. <laughs> I got suspended two weeks and my dad was pissed. Like my dad, he's like a hardworking, like Hawaiian Filipino guy. And if he has to get off of work to pick up my butt from school because I got in trouble, he is just he was like livid, just livid. Anyway, so that's my background. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's just natural that you're now starting this company that is meant to push women of color into more executive spaces and more just, you know, creating equity for everyone, right? Like that's from what I understand. Yeah, exactly. I just never, you know, I didn't really think about this as my career, but I know what this is what makes, what pushes me. This is what energizes me every day. This is what I'm passionate about. So I know that, you know, ever since this new um, wave of feminism, um, you know, popped up after a post-Trump uh, era, right? The like, oh uh, shit, this, this is, is really happening and we're going to become Handmaiden's Tale in real life. Yeah, oh God, exactly. And I was like, Hell no. Hell <laughs> I was no. like, uh, like I don't know how to say this in English, but in Spanish we say like ponerte las pilas, which means basically <laughs> like put your batteries on. So basically, you know, it's like you're slacking and you're just like, oh shit, I need to get my life together. Um, which I wow. feel is really what happened when Trump got elected. Everyone was like, oh, oh, we need to do shit. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, in Hawaii, we, in Hawaiian, we call it kue. Kue means stand up. Ah, new phrases. <laughs> Yeah. See, look, you're look, you're learning Hawaiian 101. I like this. <laughs> we'll swap. I'll teach you Spanish mm-hmm. phrases, and you can teach me Hawaiian phrases. I I need it. All the abuelas in the airport are always talking to me, and I'm like, no, hablo español. Mm-hmm. And I feel so bad because they're like asking me for help. Do you get side eye like you know when they're like asking for help and you're like I don't speak Spanish and they're just like you're like the worst. Like, exactly, and I have to explain to them like I'm not Latina. I do not. I don't. It's not my fault. <laughs> I'm Hawaiian. <laughs> yeah, because I think you were sharing a picture of like uh, people in Guatemala, right? And you were just like I'm blending. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I feel like that's like. You know, um, I don't remember where I read this, but I think someone was talking about like brown privilege, you know, and like technically, you know, maybe not socioeconomically, but I think when you travel, there is like an advantage to just being ethnically ambiguous because <laughs> you get to mm-hmm. just blend into different spaces with other people of color. But it's just like, oh, yeah, cool. It's like, you know, we're buddies because you see me. It's not that moment where you see somebody like anywhere and you're just like, you're brown, I'm brown. Cool, cool. <laughs> we can bond right now. Yeah. I think everybody has those moments where you look at the other brown person in your work at your workplace and you're like, did that just happen? Oh my God, I was just <laughs> talking about this with someone. Like, I swear, my days were sometimes like the office, right? Like, you know, when they just stare out into space and you're just like, what? And I would just catch somebody else and they would just like nod to me. And I was like, okay, that could just happen. Like, <laughs> but yeah, yeah and exactly. I think you even talked about this when we talked about this, like just being you know, the only woman of color in the room in a lot of spaces, you sometimes feel invalidated when something crazy happens that I think that you actually spoke up for someone recently, right? And I think those moments are so powerful when somebody else can kind of validate that, like, no, you're not crazy. Like, yes, this just did happen to you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, you know, because I think a lot of the times, you know, as women, especially, we, we, are not, you know, society has not built us to speak up mm-hmm. when something you kind of just down. smile and keep your head down. <laughs> exactly. Because we don't, you know, we, we, we learned that when you make waves, there are repercussions, you know, like for instance, when I was in high school, you know, I, yes, I spoke up. Yes. I, you know, I stood up for other people, but there were repercussions to that. Not only to my reputation, um, I was suspended. I had to resign, you know, so there are systems out there really there to suppress your voice. Um, and recently I was in a, it was the, like the PNW, the Pacific Northwest, like diversity and inclusion, um, cohort where they meet, monthly to discuss like the current status of diversity, equity, inclusion, and how do we make our, you know, our city a better, a a more equitable um, space, right? So um, it was a gathering of um, DNI consultants and companies from all sectors, whereas public, private corporations, consultants, etc. And this one of color, you know, you know, the question was that, 
do you think Gen Z will be more likely to speak up for diversity, equity, inclusion within their companies? Um, and this this older uh, women of color um, shared their experiences of women of color and how that, you know, if we are trying to talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, we need to have more POCs at the top in leadership roles. And she mentioned the the cap that women of color face in terms of going from middle management to the exec C-level, suite level. Um, and unfortunately, a POC man um, who was quite large, you know, and kind of talked to her, you know, I mean, responded back to her in a way that was, to me, disrespectful. The tone was very um, not agreeable. You know, I want to use the right language here, you know, and I just felt that he was just trying to invalidate her experience and her point and her insight you know he just went like well what about our you know it is for women of color but I'm tired of talking about like the general women of color what does that mean what about our black queer sisters and da 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 but like in a way that wasn't um solution based you know um it was kind of rant because I you know we get it we're all frustrated you know we are all frustrated because diversity equity inclusion is such a trendy word and yet we don't see that happening quick enough um, around the world in our companies, but still it does not allow him to react to her, her experience that same way. And we're in a room full of, um, you know, really influential people of the city. And it's about 20, 25 of us. And I made it a point to say, you know, like her experience has validated everyone. I want to validate your experience. Thank you for sharing. Da, da 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 da. And you know, I spoke up because we don't do that enough in boardrooms, right? We don't do that enough in large meetings. Is that somebody needs to to speak up, give credit to that where that insight comes from, and show that hey, like what you're saying is validated, and thank you for sharing your insight. So. Um, it's just like we see them over here like talking about my like my my own past trauma i don't deal with it i don't deal with a lot of bs so especially when i see somebody no, trying to bully awesome. someone i know you're talking like, about that and i was just like oh my god what would i have done and i was like i think i'm so used to hearing or experiencing situations like that that you're kind of just like mm-hmm. in that shock moment of like mm-hmm. oh this just happened and you're like this is yeah and most of us are and i think we don't you know you don't yeah it's very rare like rare to have somebody else speak up for you and i feel like that's so important in any situation to just reach out to the other people right and be like no that wasn't okay or you know speak up when somebody else can't because i think that happens to so many women too that they're just in that moment of like wait what like what do i even say you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, exactly yeah and it's i mean and also like this is what how we need to act in boardrooms when we're deciding to promote right and also (laughs) validate other women's like um projects right like that's to me that that's super important and what we can do and build that culture of um support right and i think the other thing like as you were saying you know he like i'm sure i I think one of the things that happens is everybody's just like oh okay like so we're talking about women what about this what about that and it's like um yeah we can talk about all of them and they're all valid it doesn't mean that just because you're focusing on one group you can't help another group right and i think that's something else that's also an issue overall that people think well if you're only talking about like latina women then like we're not supporting black women or we're not supposed to queer women right um that i think exactly that's definitely another thing that's like oh uh, we can we, we should actually be changing the system that is really why aren't we being validated why don't we have these opportunities instead of like fighting with each other right Exactly. And I think it's, you know, um, Jay-Z says this is one of his rap lyrics. I have a lot of culture. <laughs> no, I, I have a lot of pop culture uh, references, but like it's the crabs in a bucket um, analogy, wow. right? Like we are all crabs in a bucket when we're put in these different certain neighborhoods, right? Like I grew up in a neighborhood that wasn't the best neighborhood in Hawaii. Um, I would call it hood adjacent because I, we had our own house. But, you know, we live around the projects in Kalihi and immigrants from all over the world had to be in, put in, in, in public housing and had to learn with little to no resources how to adapt. Um, and also the mindset of scarcity, right? Like, you know, you, giving power to you means less power for me, right? So, which is completely not true. Um, that's how they want you to think, yeah. right? And that's how, you know, that's, to me, to me, that's what we need to start having these conversations of how do we 
look at feminism, especially, or, you know, our other social justice causes and issues that with an intersectional lens, right? How does this affect different communities and how and why, right? You know, that's the beauty of it. Right, and uh, lending but power to again, voices, too, because I think that's the other thing, ex- not speaking for people. Yeah, I know exactly. And I'm constantly thinking about this as a um, co-founder and a business owner right now is that, you know, I'm talking generally about women of color, but who are these women of color? What are the races? What are the ages? What's the type? Abled or disabled? LGBTQ? A trans women of color? You know, so it's really, you know, if my value is to support women of color, it's all women of color, right? Who identify as women um, of color. So, you know, I'm constantly thinking about that. And how do I make my you know, workshops, classes, conferences, more accessible to the communities I'm trying to serve, the target demographic I'm trying to serve. So it's always a, it's, it's a journey. So I understand now from the company's point of view of how, you know, how are we going to um, make, build more inclusive and equitable companies uh, to support that? Right. And I think that's the thing that makes it unique where we have women of color now founding companies, that that is something that they've had to experience their entire lives that now they're just like, oh, wait, this is the forefront of how I'm going to build everything. Whereas a man never really even, like, doesn't even realize that this is a problem. Exactly. Not even, just awareness. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? what are you talking about? Like, I can, yeah. yeah. And it was interesting. And even at my startup, like, I would have these conversations and the guys are just like, really? I was like, yeah. Uh, but... Yeah. And that's the frustrating part is that, you know, recognizing privilege. Um, and that's, we, that's what we all have to do is that not even as women of mm-hmm. color, you know, you and I, like I have certain privileges I am afforded because, you know, I get to live in a different city and thrive and create my own company. You know, if my, my great grandmother, my grandmother wouldn't be able to create their own company like this. Right. right. So um, how do we, number one, check our own privilege that we have uh, two, you know, look at the people who are marginalized and have less than us, right? And then three, ask how we can support other people um, and how we, you know, move forward in our lives like that. I think that will really, that really helps in terms of growth as a human being, but also as a professional as well. You're listening to Basic Brown Nerds, and we'll be right back. Today's episode is sponsored by Sololi, a shop with social change at its core. And you guys, I'm so excited to have them work with us. Isabel, the founder and owner, literally goes to meet with artisans in Mexico, and she's slowly expanding through South America. And each piece goes to empower a local artisan where she co-creates with them, giving them a fair value. She began this by going back to her husband's homeland and seeing children that weren't able to get an education. So she started working with their parents to make sure that they could go to school and to be able to provide for their families. So she's scaling up and she has the most amazing products on her website, even some eco-friendly ones. And her headbands, they are absolutely gorgeous. So go check out her site on sololishop.com. Visit basicbrownnerds.com and get nerdy. You can listen to our other episodes, shop some of our cool products, and get to know more about this fun project. We're super excited to tell you about the Future for Us Assembly in Seattle on April 27th. It's a day-long conference with power-packed panels, fireside chats, and workshops that will equip you in your career to extend to leadership. You'll leave the day with actionable skills and a community to help you meet your goals. This conference is specifically geared for women of color professionals. For more info and to get your tickets, check out futureforus.co and futureforus.now on Instagram. Hey, Basic Brown Nerds. We want to tell you about one of our partners, Latinx.com. They're building a community of voices to share our experiences, laugh, learn, and connect via the articles on their website, Latinx.com. And find them on social media at The Real Latinx. Thanks for listening to Basic Brown Nerds. Yeah, and and you really just infiltrated all of the spaces that you're in, right? <laughs> um, and I think one of the ways, you know, speaking of privilege and speaking of starting your own companies, I know a lot of people 
are now, especially women and women of color are now, you know, on that post-Trump wave that we're just like, we need to get shit done and really taking a risk on themselves. But I think one of the biggest problems is people don't know like what resources are out there, right? Or even, and one of the biggest things that you've been documenting too on your journey is like going to investors, going to VCs. And I think that's something that I know I have no idea about what that is. So I was at a bootstrap company. Um, and that's another privilege, right? Like the, the guys that I worked with, they were able to bootstrap their own company. And I think that's a lot of women now doing that, but without the resources, right? Without like parents that can pay for their rent or help them out or give them a small loan. Um, so yeah, right now you've been pitching how many companies? <laughs> Yeah, I've been pitching. Um, my number right now is 63 times since December. Which is amazing. Um, and yeah, if you could just give us like a brief understanding of what this whole investment VC thing is. And, you know, I think more people are probably becoming more aware of this, especially after the fire Festival, <laughs> like documentaries yeah. that came out. Um, which was insane. I think I recently started learning more because I've been going to startup weekends and talking to a lot of people who are in startup and deciding to go the BC route. Um, and for me, like, I kind of just been like, wait, hold up. Like, people just fund these concepts. And I was like, wait, what? And then somehow, I think it was like in a founders group, I found the Firefest deck and I was like, are you kidding me? Like this half-assed idea was able to get funding, like millions of dollars. And, you know, now they're scamming everyone and they're still making money off of these documentaries. And meanwhile, here you are <laughs> on your exactly. 63rd pitch. Um, I'm just trying to make sure we don't have ham sandwiches for our <laughs> conferences for women of color. So that's my primary goal is hashtag no ham sandwiches. Because I think so many women, like, you know, I totally get like making do and, you know, like baking until you make it. But like, you know, you get results, right? So you're just like, okay, cool. I'm going to like put this together. And somehow we're going to put it all together and make it happen. But it's just insane to me that so many, like, especially, you know, white privileged males are just like oh we're just gonna like half ass it like who cares whereas women are just like it needs to be perfect like it needs to be completely done well because they're getting scrutinized way harder whereas guys are just oh. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i mean you know there's a lot of factors with the the fire festival that led up to what it is but it's a lot of white privilege a lot of white male privilege yeah. um and also he comes from a background where he is in the rooms and has access to million millionaires and billionaires and VCs. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about access. And, you know, he was a really good salesperson. Um, so at the end of the day, his energy, his passion um, at really brought it to where it is today. But unfortunately, he's a manipulator, a mastermind <laughs> yeah. manipulator. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that's what makes, you know, and that, well, the difference between him and I and other women of color entrepreneurs and founders is that, what makes us great is our, is the challenges that we were put through, right? That's what makes Arlen Hamilton, the CEO of, uh, and founder of Backstage Capital, great, right? <laughs> because we, we, at the beginning, were given nothing. So we had to get creative. We had to get scrappy, you know? Um, and I think right now, you know, especially in this today and age, today's day, day and age, is that we glamorize this this notion of tech and, and, and startups and innovators and technology, you know, like we all what is that? What is it? Right. And we don't often get to get, you know, that, that lens, that vision is not given to a lot of POCs and women of color. Right. Those, those are looking, you know, the typical tech innovator and visionary are placed with white men, right. Young white men. So how do we break those barriers? Um, and through me, you know, luckily I was the head of marketing for the female founders. I, I did marketing for the Female Founders Alliance and um, I worked with a team to build an accelerator program. So I learned through um, building an accelerator program how female founders across the U.S. are trying to build pitch, pitch decks, build their products, help their branding. What does the marketing look like? What does their advisory board look like? So I had I had firsthand inner workings of how, you know, how not not only the challenges but the successes of of entrepreneurs you know of from women from all different backgrounds ages and um industries who are grinding every day to make this work for them um and it is it is a relentless journey it is not as something as easy as one two three it is 
constantly getting your ass handed to you every day, <laughs> um, constantly re- receiving feedback and, um, and being humble enough to take feedback and then also improve and keep growing and building something bigger and bigger until it's, you know, until it's bigger than yourself. Right. Um, so that's kind of where my drive is. I've done 63 pitches so far. Um, in terms of there's different ways of funding, right? And also you need to figure out whether your company needs needs VC funding anyways, right? right. So usually VC funding um, is 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 for are for it's for um, startups who need to have high growth, high scale, and usually there are tech companies because they need to get product, they need to build product, they need to build teams. Um, and scale pretty quickly before the market for the market right so usually vcs they will fund you a certain percentage it's like shark tank um so they give you a certain amount of money but they also will ask for equity in your company um, another way of funding is aimed investors so angel investors are privately owned um, wealth um, individuals um, who will give you cut you a check with no equity at stake but they will have a say within your company in terms of decisions um, and then the next one um, is also bootstrapping, which is most of female founders do is that you bootstrap and there's like I fund women. There's a lot of different uh, ways of bootstrapping, but that basically is raising money through um, the, through the public um, to start your company. Wait, you so crowdfunding? crowdfunding. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was like, wait, hold right. on. No. I was like, I bootstrapped stuff. And I was like, I thought that was like, you got no money. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, well, bootstrap, bootstrap and, um, and crowdfunding is the same concept. So oh, that okay. means that you're pulling yourself from your bootstraps and raising money, right. like putting a. But I, not necessarily I always up. like having to raise money, right? No, you still you're continuously raising money no matter what. So it's kind of like you know how they have, um, you know how people raise money for like, I don't know, they put an online campaign yeah. for cancer research or something like that on Facebook. So it's a similar concept, but you can use a company called iPhone Women, and then you you put a link out and people can donate to create your company. Um, so, so yeah, so there's different ways all, of funding. Like I go, no, my company would always use the word food shopping, but we weren't raising any money. It was literally just like whatever came in as profit. Exactly. So, um, so then, that, you know, bootstrapping is more like, yes, if you use the money that you're making, but also bootstrapping, like you can get funding from other, from other individuals oh, okay. or entities. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, I'm, not familiar with any of like the fundraising, like getting outside money, basically. Like my model has always been like, whatever you make, you put back in the company, right? But I think, like you're saying, it's not really scalable for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, you know, a lot of the things, you know, there's a lot of bad terms for VCs, but they call them like vultures, right? Because they want to take a piece of your company and then give you, um, it's like a loan, right? right? It's like a loan. So if you watch, I, I, I highly suggest people watch like a lot of pitch competitions and watch Shark Tank and kind of figure out what that looks like because they will take equity in your company. But at the end of the day, what you're looking for um, are advisors, people who are going to give you money to scale. Um, there's a big, uh, one of the big stories, um, is the wing winging getting like $200 million or something, um, through Kerry Washington. They partnered with Kerry Washington and Sequoia, which is a big VC firm to expand their operations across the U S. So the wing shout out to the wing. Congratulations. Um, a, co- a female co-working, a female, um, co-working space. Um, and also the Riveter. So the Riveter received, I think 20 million, 30 million, um, and VC, money uh to to expand their operations so right now they're in seattle and la and now they're going to open in denver austin um atlanta and a couple other cities so so that's what 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 it means to have vc funded and vc backed is that if you need to scale quickly um that money that money goes to that oh okay cool but not every company needs it yeah so if you could hold on your equity then um that's that's one of the biggest advice is that oh, try to hold on to your equity as long as you can, but it depends on what your, your company's about. Right. Right. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, like you've basically infiltrated that space and I know like from, you know, as I've been learning, like only 2% of just women in general <laughs> get funding. Right. So like, what does that even look like for women of color? Like I'm sure that's even smaller. Yeah. So, um, for women, um, they receive 2% of VC capital. Um, and unfortunately women of color founders, um, only receive 0.2% of VC capital. And that, 
that holds true to today. So it's been two years straight where that that needle, that number hasn't moved yet. Yet, you know, out of the ten women, um, out of the ten women who create businesses every year, um, eight of them are women of color. So, and also there's a new data point that shows that Black female founders like return return like three times more on um, three times more to their investors as well. So we're starting to see that. We're starting to see that, you know, that's why Arlen Hamilton has created Backstage Capital to fund, um, you know, POC unicorn tech companies. So we'll see a little bit more about that soon. Yeah, and that's awesome. And one of the other things that you pointed out was access, right? And I feel like that's a lot of what you're even trying to create with Future for Us, right? Because I think a lot of women don't even realize the power of their networks, right? Or networking in general and mm-hmm. having access to get to those spaces where they can even get meetings, right? And I think that's super critical, just building that up. And, you know, we started using Instagram <laughs> as like a networking tool, essentially, you know, connecting with other women of color who are doing dope things. And I think that's the coolest part that you start to notice that even with limited resources people are so extremely resourceful than to imagine like if they actually have the resources (laughs) exactly exactly yeah so um you know i think a lot of the times it's yeah access it's access for future for us you know the way that we want to provide access to women is like access to building community right access to to ourselves that you know there's not a lot of spaces that give space to women of color right um and that's what one of the things we want to do through community uh, culture. So access to content to talk about culture. How do we change company culture? Right. You know, I, if I want to, you know, a lot of women, you know, wearing their hair naturally isn't quote unquote professional. Right. But what does that mean? You know, are you going to be looked down upon if you bring in spicy food in your kit in your office kitchen? Right. Like these are the different cultural norms that we want to change in these companies. And how do we talk to, how do we speak on that? How do we create content? How do we write about it? How do we talk to um, companies and consult with them to, to make a more um, equitable space for diverse talents who come and feel like they belong in a company and want to retain that talent and stay there. Um, and then also through career. So access to career, um, you know, workshops, classes, gatherings, um, you know, I want Future for Us to be the, the Win of Color conference, you know, to be at. So we can gather across the U.S. and really start tapping into our networks and our resources and building some, build, you know, live our dreams out and thrive. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that. And even as you were talking, I was just like, yep. So many moments that I think once you start to move up in a company or just, you know, socioeconomically, like you start to realize there's not that many other people that look like you. Um, And it's really lonely. And I know before I even started, you know, connecting with other women that were in tech, that were women of color, that were like Latina, um, I totally just felt completely alone. Like I would just go into the work, put on my Beats headphones and was like, I'm just going to tune out the world and like focus on my job. And literally the whole, the spicy food thing. Oh my God. So many comments. And it's, it's just like weird, you know, like it's not like it's like racist when they say things, but it's more just like a reminder that you're different and it's really hard because you're not only just trying to do your best at your job and kind of prove like I belong here. You're literally just having to navigate a different world. And I grew up like super token, right? And I think that's like one of the things that we talked about for the future for us um, feature that I grew up token, right? Like in the suburbs, um, I went to a majority like white school, even though I didn't live in like the more affluent side of the neighborhood, right? Like I lived in the town where all the Latinos and black people live to work for the more affluent people. Um, But it was always just, you know, I was, I was lucky enough that people saw potential in me and would put me in honors classes. So I was always just like the only person usually, or like maybe like one or two other people. And you just like look at each other and you're like, Uh, but, but then it, and, and my peers were always just like, if they were white, they were usually like middle-class upper middle-class, but it wasn't such a big disparity that I think until I started working in tech and the people that I was associating with, were from affluent families that I was just like, what? like, I don't even know how to navigate this, right? Like you had so many privileges. I was like, my white friends were middle-class Americans that we could still relate on that level. 
And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, and even like actually at my team, like I had another girl who was from the same town, like a white girl, like white Jewish girl from my town. And we could still relate on, you know, just our shared experiences growing up. And then it was just very weird to have to relate to somebody who grew up like on the Upper East Side, even though they're like, you know, awesome people. But just that, you know, difference that you're just like your peers, you realize like, oh, they got here differently. They didn't have to work as hard. And they don't have to, you know, wonder if they've been passed up on something because they were different. Um, but that's really one of the reasons I started working in tech was because I could really hide behind a computer screen. <laughs> and, you know, like people would actually measure my, like my work, right? My epic instead of like looking at me instinctively, like from the beginning. Um, but I think that really has changed a lot since I started sharing more of my personal experiences, like online, on basic rounders, like on my personal platform. And you start to connect with other people that are just like, wait, me too. And you're just like, what? Like there's other people out there that are in positions where they are feeling the same. And it's like, like it's reaffirming, but it's also really sad at the same time. <laughs> Because you're just like, why are we all struggling? So I think it's awesome that you're creating this because I think there's so many other women and especially women that are, you know, maybe just starting that are like, wait, like there's a support net for me, whereas they don't have to kind of go through these really unfortunate situations. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, I think the, the biggest part of this is that building community and building awareness that, yes, you are not alone. So this is not a solo journey, you know, and there is a certain um, um, solace, right, to knowing that this is I'm not alone. Yeah. Right. Um, and then there are there are ways to talk about um, different workplace situations and also building up solutions for it right so talking to somebody who who has gone through it before and what worked and what didn't work and that's the that's the beauty and the magic of women coming together especially women of color to talk about this and talk about their lenses and talk about different strategies to make sure that you know your track your career you can ascend to leadership and power um you know through through your networks and through the people who want to challenge you whether it's mentoring or sponsorships etc right because i mean i didn't even realize that these were all opportunities available right until recently and i was like wait hold up what like there's people that literally just like want to help you <laughs> and i think that's something that's huge and more people really especially like women when you're starting off really need support with because a lot of times I think you just want to give up because you're just like okay like I can't do it but once you start seeing other people that are actually doing it you're just like wait a second I got this <laughs> exactly exactly and that's and that's what you'll you'll start seeing too when people in power you know I think Michelle Obama oh, she had a really great okay. uh quote about like uh he ain't shit <laughs> you know like saying like you know when you see when you pull the cloak from the Wizard of Oz, that moment of like pulling the curtains away, it's like you see these people and you're like, they're not that great. So if this person right. is, get, you know, at this level, then I can be at yeah. that level. And and also if we are open and honest about our struggles, that we're not winning all the time, right? Yeah. Like we are we are on a journey, and there are struggles or challenges, but being honest and open about it. Um, is another way that we build and grow together. Right, because I think that's definitely how people can relate too. Like, oh wait, they're, you know, just a person like me is able to achieve this. I've actually been listening to the audiobook for Michelle Obama's Becoming, and um, I just want to cry every time I listen, because I'm just like, oh, like what? You know, like she's sharing so much of her personal experience and just like who they are oh, as yeah. people that you really are just like, wait, they're just like ordinary people. They're just like, and they have changed the world. So, she's been she's been excellent from the get-go yeah. from the jump she has been just to see her journey and this is the one of the first times that we are we are seeing and you know um, being exposed to um, a black woman's experience in the U.S. Um, and that is huge I mean that's why she's the most admired woman in the world I mean in the country right now you know that's why her book is selling so much because people feel her story and understand her story and just want to learn more. I'm seeing her on Friday, so I'm super excited. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> I know. I'm so lucky. I'm like, yes, I missed okay, it when nice. she was here in New York and I hadn't started reading it. And I was like, oh. now I'm seeing everybody post about it. And I was like, I want to go. I know. I mean, it's super, it's super expensive. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I think she was in Madison Square Garden, but 
yeah um but it's it's just i feel like it's it's amazing and once we actually start sharing our narratives you know other people can relate right and be like that's exactly how i feel or i've I've experienced these situations and feel more empowered like regardless of who you are you're just like hold up like somebody else was able to achieve what i could only imagine um which is you know scary too though like on the other side to be sharing your story because it's so vulnerable (laughs) yeah no for sure you know it's like and everybody people didn't know she grew up in a working class family (laughs) you know like her and her brother had to share a room you know like but that's what her her supportive family tight-knit family um environment really what brought her to be who she is today you know and that to me is a testament on um working class families and families in america right and poc families in america is that there is a shining example of when a woman is when a young woman is supported right um not only through her her not not only through her career but also her personal life and and it starts from with family and having um open discussion about you know like having kids and children be seen and heard right and like recognize their thoughts and validate their thoughts their ideas and their voice she talks about voice a lot right like what what does it mean to have a voice at a young age and have people older people and adults recognize that voice and and kind of cultivate that voice into what it is today so anyways i can go on and on about <laughs> michelle she's just phenomenal know, just phenomenal like woman. <laughs> yeah exactly. like your greatness like, rub off on me <laughs> I know I'm over like she's Michelle run save us and it's like oh. for all the black women out there like we're tired of saving your ass asses I'm sure like your she, turn you got it's try. like we're always depending <laughs> exactly like you know we're not here to save you guys we're doing with our which I totally understand <laughs> but yeah well I'm super excited for everything that you're doing and you know just to, like wrap up things do you have anything that you really want the listeners to to take away from this conversation yeah so you know uh future for us is for all you know women of color professionals who want to accelerate at work you know let's help you you know power through that let's figure out how we can you know serve that for you we have a slack channel it's future for us um at slack and please please sign up for our newsletter i'm i promise you my content is funny and also (laughs) professional and fun you'll be able to relate so go on futureforus.co Futureforus.co is our website and sign up for our newsletter. Follow us on social for all you IGs out there. Um, at futureforus.now is our IG handle. And follow me um, at SageQ and kind of follow our journey. You know, I'm a 27 year old um, Native Hawaiian woman who's here to support women of color. Um, I'm tired of us not being supported and I want to build us more space. So let's go, 2019. Yes, oh, I'm super excited. And just to end, what is something that you are grateful for today? I am grateful for the power of my connections. I mean, that's how we're yes. connected. So, you're connected to Lorena from yes, ex- Global Girls Give. Yes, she's another phenomenal, powerful Latina. And, you know, connections is what we crave at the end of the day. Tech, technology cannot solve everything. So, you know, I am a big person about, yes, using the technology to connect, but also you are the one who needs to wield the power um, of that connection. So super grateful for connections because I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't um, for my network and my community and my family and my friends. So super humbled. Thank you so much for talking. I'm super excited to meet up. Yes, I know. Finally, we need to to, make this happen. And brunch. Yes. Call it bitch, bitch and brunch. <laughs> yes, I like it. I mean, we need to be a little basic while we're trying to change the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my god. Well, thank you so much, Sage. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much. Hey, basic brown nerds. This is Joy Valerie, and I have some really exciting news for you. We have launched our merch shop. So you can go to basicbrownnerds.com slash shop and rep the basic brown nerd movement. And this is one of the ways that we can keep making high quality content and bring you season three. Yup, we are bringing season three in 2020. 
and know that when you go to our shop, you're not just supporting us. You are not just supporting the production of this. 100% of the profits goes back into Basic Brown Nerd so that we can bring you more episodes but also because I want to make all of the ideas that I have a reality, events, and keep bringing you awesome content that every time you listen or see Basic Brown Nerds, you know that these are people just like you. That in this time where people are talking so much crap about us, that you know that our community is strong, powerful, resilient, that we make things out of nothing. And to be honest, that's how we started Basic Brown Nerds almost three years ago. We started in front of a computer and just trying to figure it out. So if you've been listening since then, thank you so much. And when you shop from Basic Brown Nerds, you're not just supporting this. You are supporting local business, local Guatemalan-owned business right here in New York. So thank you and feel free to reach out to us on social media at Basic Browners and also to me at Joy Valerie with two E's on Instagram and Twitter. I am low-key addicted to social media. That's literally my career. (laughs) I work in media. So I'm really excited to get to know you all, but also feel free to send me any opportunities, any ways to collaborate to keep making this bigger and keep basic brown nerds going so see you next decade in 2020 basic brown nerds is a production of carrera digital solutions where dreams effort vision come together to empower our communities through tech and media If you want to support us, you can make a donation through our website, basicbrownnerds.com, or simply share our content with your friends. And lastly, I want to thank the amazing new team members that are making all of this possible. Our producer, Daniela Franco, that's making this season sound amazing. And Douglas Quinteros, our creative strategist, revamping Basic Brown Nerds. And of course, to all of you that continue to listen, support, and collaborate with us. Thanks for listening to Basic Brown Nerds.